Are you talking? I'm not talking, no. Oh, okay. Do you want me to talk? Yeah, start going. Okay, I'll start going. Uh, hello, and welcome to Well Scares Your Problem. Uh, a, 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 podcast, <laughs> a podcast about spooky engineering disasters. Um, That's right. With slides, which are also spooky. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm Justin... Uh, scary Are you trying to Rosniak. think of a ghost? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> my my pronouns are boo and yikes. <laughs> uh, I am scary Alice Caldwell Kelly, and my pronouns are and <laughs> fuck. I was gonna. All right. Uh, I am t- Liam Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You wouldn't even go for like. <laughs> fuck. Now I'm trying to think of one. Anderson. Skate. I don't know. I. Liam Murderson. Liam Murderson. Yeah. I, yeah. That's right. As a hobby. Uh, <laughs> Bloody yeah. Liam. If you Bloody. say your name three times, you appear in the mirror. I do, but I just ask for drinks and snacks. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not like Casper. I'm not a friendly ghost. Like if you don't get me the requisite drinks and snacks, you will be murdered. Uh, but but I need them, and then you don't get murdered. Uh, my pronouns are jinkies and yipes. <laughs> Rut row. <laughs> I hope you're all enjoying the seasonal yeah. flavor yeah. that this podcast is taking, because it is spooky season. We are recording this on the spookiest night of the year. Halloween. It's yeah. twelve forty-seven PM here, and I haven't been murdered by apparitions. So roll tide, baby. Is that what they're calling the Philly police these days? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's an incredibly dark and windy night right here. Like the rain is washing off of the windows, and I'm just like, yeah, no, this is fine. Actually, time to record a podcast yeah. about being scary with my scary friends. Yes, Liam, Ooh. you're a bit quiet still. You're a bit quiet. That was a little <laughs> bit better. You didn't say, you didn't just, say just being mad the whole time, it'll be fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's my shtick, is right. I just scream at people. Alright, so today we, we're going to talk about a special subject. We're going we're co- to cover three instances. We're going to talk about... Ghosts! Yes. Spectral sloops, haunted hulks, paranormal, <laughs> paranormal penises, spooky schooners, ghoulish gondolas, scary scows... <laughs> Dreadful dredges, creepy canoes, yikes yachts, the boo barge. We're going to talk about <laughs> ghost ships. Incredible. Just, just incredible work to come up with that many. <laughs> Far more than the joke demanded. Nothing else for folks. <laughs> you got nothing for like galleon? Do you have like a, a ghost galleon? A ghost yeah, galleon. A ghastly galleon. Duh, Alice. Yeah. <laughs> A white warship, but it's white with a W I G H T. Uh, uh the um uh a, a, a um what's a scary word that starts with you? <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> I wanted something for utility vessel. <laughs> Uterus utility vessel. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey. Welcome to Big Mo's Vagina Cargo Ship LLC. <laughs> well, that's the t-shirt yeah. design that we're doing next, if we ever get around to yeah. doing t-shirts. You can never wear it outside. I, I, I harangued him. <laughs> okay, so, but before we talk about this, we need to talk about the goddamn news. <laughs> I put okay. that headline in there. Do you like it? I, I do like it. Yes. And it's accurate. Um, all right. So our first piece of news. Uh, the Philly cop shot a guy 10 times in front of his mother uh, who had called an ambulance Well, that just fucking him. sucks all of the like seasonal revelry we were having out of the podcast. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, that's, that's just bad. That's really bad. Yeah, state coercion is always haunted. It's true. Mm. Yes. It's caused a bunch of riots. The National Guard's been brought into the city now. You know, because someone set a cop car on fire, I guess. Yeah, and uh, you've got the like, like yeah. usual round of pundits being like, "They trashed a Walmart, a yep. Walmart." Yeah, in Port Richmond, it looked like that before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what I like in this picture is that they're clearly burning one of these uh, "vote make a plan" signs that's popped up all around the neighborhood. Uh, they're Good. just everywhere. <laughs> Wait, what is it a sign for? To oh, vote. To vote. Just to, just, just to vote? Just to okay. vote, yes. plan, And this God, one's on fire, thank God. Yeah, God forbid you say vote Democrat. Um, right now it just says vote Mappy. Yeah, you heard of Which is something the people, can, the people can get behind. So, you know, this has, been a, this has been a fun week. They've, you know, had a bunch of unannounced curfews. A bunch of activists got sent to jail. One of my friends said all the cops are asking everyone who's arrested about where they got their George Soros funding from. Uh, Of course. Yeah. It was me, in case anyone was curious. (laughs) Police ripped a family out of their car when they were driving down Chestnut Street at the wrong time, and then they beat him up, and then the National Fraternal Order of Police Twitter posted a picture of the kid claiming someone had left them walking around barefoot while they went out to riot. It's been really dumb. This has been... This has been like worse. Just than, it's a one-way street. They had nowhere to turn around. Yeah, America's exactly. most powerful union uh, using that power to exercise in, in service of like a terrified child who they have terrified, being yes. like, see, we're not your enemy. We're looking after this kid whose parents we are beating slightly off camera. <laughs> it's really dumb. Uh, you know, I, I thought I thought the protests were going to calm down. That's why the last episode I didn't put the bail front links up on the the video. I was like, yeah, you know, this is probably it's probably going to die down. And then that exact night, it's like, okay, I guess we got to keep the bail fund thing going. <laughs> uh, as a reminder, if you're listening to this, uh, presumably from before the grave and not beyond it, uh, donate to either Philly Bail Fund. Or up against the law, of Philadelphia, like Philly whale fund, huh? No, because whaling, because of ghosts, the ghosts. It's a, I, I don't know if like, it, like a white what? whale. <laughs> like no, like whale, like W A I L. Oh my god! Oh, that kind of whale. Oh, what is this? <laughs> ah, a whaling whaler. That's one. Yeah, that's funny. Thank you, Alice. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, uh, I got my Secret Service card from Alice in the mail. Uh, I, I believe the link is closed right now while she drowns under 900 laminate cards. But uh, yeah, I need to send <laughs> no, a no, 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 it's, it's, it's still going. If you, uh, if, you, if you DM me 
And ideally, don't DM me any extraneous details, just like the name and image you want on it and your address. And then if you want to throw me a couple of bucks for shipping, that would be good, but you don't have to. Then I'll, I'll I'll mail that to you. It's just I usually what I'm doing these days is I'm taking a couple of days in between, and then I'm like, well, I guess the whole of today is me mailing out these individual <laughs> cards. So. I did like that. I got a letter addressed to me, and because you're Scottish, you wrote the return address on the back. Yeah, that's normal. That's a normal place to write that. Yeah, for you, but not for me. Well, where uh, the fuck are you supposed to write a return on address? The, on you put left, it. You put it in the jacket. corner. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so it just said UN75, and I thought for a second I was going to be letter bombed, but I was like, oh, it's just Alice. <laughs> she's she's <laughs> It's interesting to see like the uh, how the police have reacted to uh, these riots because they seem totally. to unironically believe, you know, the beatings will continue until morale they improves. They really do. They really mm-hmm. fucking do. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like, yeah, we, Roz hit on it with the unmentioned curfews. Like, We've had to sort of scramble every time because they're just like, oh, it's 6.55. You have to be home in two hours. Like, go fuck yourselves. And also, yeah, all, of, all of the urgency of the purge. But yeah. like, <laughs> the irony that I live in the cradle of American freedom and I can't go out my own goddamn front door is absolutely a travesty. Like, this is the shit we threw tea in the harbor over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just going to stand at the end of my property line, banging pots and pans and screaming a <laughs> cab. <laughs> Come for me. Yeah. Wearing like a full Minuteman costume. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, you see, like this, it's not just for lunatic race war weirdos anymore. Now it's for, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> it's for sometimes, regular lunatic weirdos. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes normal people like to dress up in a frock coat. Why should we see to the ground of wearing like a, a dress paisley waistcoat to the right wing? That's how I feel about the uh, the the Gadsden flag, the "Don't Tread on Me" flag. Yeah, it's a good flag. By reactionary lunatic weirdos, and I'm so mad that I have to fly the original naval jack, which also says "Don't Tread on Me," but uh, it's not a curled snake. And I'm just like waiting for the day some some ne'er do well dipshit leftist steals it from me, and I have to explain <laughs> my politics to get it back. <laughs> it's just a photo of you with your Gadsden naval jack, like this year. Yes, it's like yes, not a reactionary right wing dipshit. I just like flags. <laughs> All right, so um, guess that's it for that piece of news. Uh, rest in power, Walter Wallace Jr. Oh yeah. Uh, also, don't don't call the fucking cops. Obviously, her his mother had called an ambulance. Philly has a crisis intervention unit. Why they chose to send the cops instead to this clearly mentally ill person is absolutely beyond the fucking pale or a whale. There you go, Alice. Yeah, oh, thank you. And just like, absolutely don't fucking call the cops if someone's in a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. Please look up resources in your community. They do exist. There are crisis intervention teams who aren't going to show up with their guns drawn. And even, uh, if, even if, like, even if the situation is as bad as that, even if you still did nothing, it wouldn't be as bad. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah. how fucked it is, is that you could just sit back, put both of your hands in your pocket, and be like, well, that isn't my problem. I'm going to keep walking. Yeah. And well, the show is called, well, there's your problem. So you actually have to do something about it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Next All right. Can I can I can I, can I do the news yeah. drop yeah. without yeah. like yeah. Uh, now, now being can, without being insensitive? Yes. Now you can do it. <laughs> All right. We got a second news item, which Great is headline. thank you. Yeah, I came up with this in like all of a second while I was <laughs> uploading it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's good. The, it's uh, good. 
the Greek Navy managed to uh, almost lose a minesweeper. This is a this is a British built uh, vessel. It used to be HMS Barclay. Now it's uh, HS Callisto, and it got in a fight with uh, one of those giant mask uh, container ships, and it just sheared the ass right off it Ooh, because sorry. they're made of fiberglass. Um, so you can see it's it's like lost the helipad and it's lost the whole stern. Um, it's not good. Nobody died though. Uh, so this is like something that we can safely laugh at, and it sets us up with a, ni a nice nautical theme for the rest of the episode. Yeah, and you know, in, in fairness to the Greeks, I lose Minesweeper all the time too. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Just just imagine being like uh, being the captain of that and looking around, being like. And seeing a fucking like Panamax air ship just tear the entire back of your thing off. You're good. You're good. <laughs> You're good. Stop. <laughs> Do, doing oh. the like OSHA thing. How could this accident have been prevented? It's like, well, don't try and turn in front of a fucking container ship. They don't stop. <laughs> they kind of can't do that. <laughs> Not very quickly. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't just bump it out of the way. I'm always surprised by these big ship collisions that they just don't bump into each other and just sort of, you know, float away. They I think it's because the hull's so soft, like, because it's not steel, right, so it doesn't trigger mines, it's just, it just, like, tore straight through it, is what yeah, happens. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. Real embarrassing, though. Alright. Well, that was the goddamn news. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about our first uh, spooky schooner, as they call it. <laughs> <laughs> you can see here with a lot of JPEG compression. Um, yeah, well, they hadn't invented high-resolution JPEGs in... When was this? Uh, this was 1921. Ah, see, that's the thing. You didn't yeah. have to. You had to like to get your JPEGs. A guy had to like unfold like a bellows camera, throw a sheet over his head, and then like they actually the had, to, had do, to stand. They had to do all the image compression by hand with spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took, it took an office of fifty secretaries <laughs> ten days to compress the pixels down. <laughs> With, with like rulers and set squares. And we shear this off, and we shear this off, and we get this dot out, and boom! Now we can send it in a telegram. <laughs> well, like, I feel like we're gonna get some interesting comments on this one because of when we did uh, print media, where I, I asked the question about how the hell you printed images back in the day, and we got some very detailed answers from people who knew a lot about this, so... You know, I look forward to the, the photography nerds. Yes. So, this is the Carol A. Deering, right? It was a five-masted schooner built in Bath, Maine in 1919, right? Hmm. Not much. What's Deering you? Ah. Uh, no? No. Uh, I think... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least at least I have this guy to laugh along with me. <laughs> so, it's set out for Rio de Janeiro from Newport News with a load of coal in July 1920, right? With Captain uh, William H. Merritt. Uh, Merritt fell ill really early on in the voyage, so they had to put into port at Lewes, Delaware. I don't know why they went north. 
That seems weird to me, but they did. Maybe he was like from Delaware. Maybe he was like, "Can you drop me off?" You yeah, know? Could, you, could you dump me off here? I'll take. Maybe he was from Cape May. He took the ferry over. Well, uh, <laughs> see us, suckers. <laughs> so the company replaced him with Willis B. Warmel, who was a recently retired captain. Right? They're like, "Hey, you come back for one last job?" <laughs> yeah, they land in the helicopter while he's fly fishing, and they're like, "Nobody else can do it. You're the only one." <laughs> I was. I just retired. I'm going to my daughter's wedding next week. Get in the chopper, Jim. Get the chopper. <laughs> they take him in a helicopter to get on a schooner. <laughs> yeah, that activism don't really work in yeah. our timeline. Fuck it. This is apparently one of the last large uh, sailing cargo vessels ever built. Mm. I mean, yeah. five masts is yeah. like no joke. Yeah, 1919 was pretty late too. Mm. Uh, so. All right, so they got to Rio on September 8th, right? They unloaded, they took on new cargo, they set off uh, for Hampton Roads, right? That's where Grover House is. Um, oh, no. We, so, we, we set off for Hampton Roads with this cargo of mismatched windows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the article I read didn't say what the cargo was, so I assume, I assume it was Grover House parts. Uh, <laughs> vinyl siding, mismatched windows, uh, the grill to put next to the vinyl siding. On the way back up with a crew of Brazilian vinyl siding, they stopped off in Barbados, right, for some supplies, right? And while they were stopped off, you know, the captain gave the crew shore leave, and the first mate got really, really drunk at a bar. And some oh, folks cool. overheard him, like, threatening the captain in a bar. You know, because he was mad at the captain because he thought he was doing all the work, right? Uh, oh, this is such a red herring. Yeah. yeah this is a every, every murder mystery, there's always, like, a guy who noisily threatens the victim in the first act. Yeah. And you're like, oh, come on, man, it's not him. <laughs> Probably not, yeah. I, but he was, uh, he, he was mad at the captain because he thought he was doing all the work. He also thought the captain was interfering with him disciplining the crew, right? And that night he got arrested for drunken disorderly, and then the captain had to go bail him out of jail, and then they got in a boat and left. Right? Yeah, but why would you murder the guy who bailed you out? I like, know, right? Uh, because you're drunk and hell-bent on revenge, Alice. Yeah, You've but never been by that time you probably sobered up. Yeah, but they're sailors. They're gonna be, like, he's drinking in the jail while he's in jail for drunken disorderly. He gets out, he's drinking. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> He takes one look at the cargo of mismatched windows, and he's like, I gotta start drinking again. <laughs> Just like, scratching through the plate glass, like, let's see if warranty covers that. He's <laughs> gonna put this at the bottom of a flight of stairs. <laughs> I'll jump out of your helicopter, the rest of us had to, had to sail it, but uh, Captain Mary gets a helicopter ride. <laughs> so that, that's our theory for whatever goes down with this ghost ship is helicopter jealousy. <laughs> he mistook one of the one of the mismatched windows for a porthole, and he actually smashed the porthole. <laughs> <laughs> Although, actually, the ship didn't go down, of course. Um, so, this ship was next sighted on January 28th, 1921, by the Cape Lookout Lightship. That's off the coast of the North Carolina Outer Banks, right? Spooky. Spooky, lonely job. 
Just the two guys, like, from the lighthouse, just in there, being weird and psychosexual. Yes. And then they see this thing go by. Yeah, so the lightship uh, keeper reported that when, when the ship went by, a man yelled at him with a megaphone that the ship had lost its anchor. <laughs> Something please, about windows. Yeah, please <laughs> tell the company the ship has no anchor, otherwise we're good, right? But he also reported the crew was milling around on a quarterdeck where they weren't supposed to be. Says who? Uh, like... Who says that's not allowed, you know? Maybe they're just they're having a nice time. Don't don't shame them for that. That's a good point, yeah. I mean, probably shouldn't probably shouldn't snitch on the crew, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, no snitching, even a hundred years later. Yeah, sti- snitches get spooky stitches. Thank you. Um, so, now, on January 31st, the ship was sighted off of Cape Hatteras, right? It's another part of the North Carolina Outer Banks. After it had rammed itself directly into Diamond Shoals and grounded itself, right? Okay. Uh, it, had, it had some distress signals uh, on. There were two red lights, which were high up in the rigging. Those were the distress signals. Um, also extremely spooky to just be coming at this thing at night and, like, the Outer Banks, which is spooky as hell anyway. Just oh, yeah. naturally. Yeah. Um, fuck, man. No, no, thank you. I'm not getting on that ship. I was, I was very confused because this is a sailing ship. I did don't know where the electricity was coming from. Hmm. I mean, that's a good question. Actually, maybe they had like gas lanterns. Or <sighs> I, I gotta, how long I does it take there, those to burn out? There must have been some kind of generator on board. That's what I think. Hmm, but I don't. I I tried looking it up. I couldn't figure anything out about you know. Electricity supplied to oh, large. We found the tall real ships. mystery here, which yeah. is fucking. Uh, how, how the fuck did those lamps keep going? Yeah, exactly. Because, like, if you if you can find out how we can crack this thing wide open, because if we know how long those lamps would like keep burning for, we can trace when they were set up. And holy shit, this is a five uh, like a five episode series podcast where <laughs> we like get to the bottom of this. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I don't yeah, care that much. Yeah, I don't care either. <laughs> <laughs> so, owing to rough seas, the ship couldn't be boarded until February 4th. And when, when folks got on the ship, uh, it was abandoned, right? The crew's personal possessions were all gone. The two lifeboats were gone. The ship's galley was like halfway through food preparation, but with no people. Um, so, you know... the. No one knows what happened to the crew, right? They just disappeared. And that's uh, kind of weird, because they're, they're close to shore, right? Like, yeah. they're close enough to yell at a guy on a light ship, you'd think, even if, like, even in heavy seas, right, if they abandon ship, they can kind of probably make their way, or at least drift somewhere onto a beach, but like, nah. Nah. I mean, they did drift onto a beach. Right, right into Cape Hatteras, right where every <laughs> oh, yeah. every ship is attracted like a magnet to Cape Hatteras. They just smash right onto the shoals, oh, yeah. right the outside sirens. the lighthouse. The sirens at the beach bars. It's all fifty-year-old Georgia moms just showing you their boobs. <laughs> <laughs> this is why Blackbeard had to get out of town. Too many milfs. <laughs> so. The Coast Guard tried to salvage the ship. They tried to get another ship and pull it off the shoals. Uh, it's too big. They couldn't do it. 
So they blew it up with dynamite uh, <laughs> the next month. Okay, cool. Yeah, they blew the, they blew the shit up. They, they blew it up with dynamite on March 4th because, you know, it's a navigational hazard, right? That's the, the highest number of ghosts that have been killed with explosives <laughs> in a single incident. Yeah, I, I've never, I've never understood. Like this is this is something for like the the horror movie, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of universe. Like, where if you have mm. a haunted house and you just blow it up with dynamite, what happens to the ghosts? <laughs> do you think it's like an alien sort of scenario where if you like actually do nuke the site from orbit, like it's just fine, like problem solved? Or do you think that it's like more like a Pandora's box type situation where now you have like distributed ghosts? Second one. Second one? Uh, that yeah, could be, it could be that. I, I, am, I am of the opinion that the, you might just blow up the ghost. Like you might kill the ghost with, mm. with explosives. You would certainly like dissipate the sight of its like haunting. And like part of the thing that makes a ghost scary is that like it's haunting somewhere. It has some emotional tie to like where it was murdered or whatever. Like you can't like that ghost can't float down the road and go haunt a Denny's, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, what if you like deconstructed the haunted house and reused its pieces elsewhere? Like, yeah, <laughs> the haunted a... house of Theseus. <laughs> <laughs> this this particular this particular um uh set of um joists here is haunted uh well, like does that mean that like that sort of transitive property applies if i take a timber off of the winchester murder house a mystery house mm -hmm. that 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 timber is going to be haunted i think that yes. the timber itself is haunted if you distribute these tender uh timbers finely enough throughout a house it's indistinguishable from not being haunted <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Institute for Advanced Ghost Studies. <laughs> it's um, it, it's like my dad's used to say about pollution. Uh, dilution is the solution to haunting. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so we simply dump, like, well, because the ship did sink after it exploded, right? Like, the bits yeah. of it that got exploded sank, so that, uh, you know, mission accomplished, right? Yeah, exactly, right? Ghosts sufficiently diluted. Yeah, exactly. So, after an extensive investigation, there's still no solid idea of what happened, right? There was a real strong storm in the vicinity, and at least one other large vis uh, vessel, which was the uh, sulfur freighter called the Hewitt, uh, had gone down at the same time the ship was found abandoned, right? So, there are some theories as to what might have happened, right? You know, one of which was that, you know, due to heavy weather, the crew abandoned the ship, you know, possibly after they had run aground. Mm. Um, another thing some folks thought was, you know, pirates. Pirates had stolen the ship, but then they realized it was just full of Grover House parts, so, you know, they... <laughs> and also, they, they hadn't it. stolen the ship. Like, the yeah. ship was still there. Yeah. But there was another theory, which it was communist pirates. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. So some Soviet-aligned group had their offices raided in New York City uh, around the same time, and the police <laughs> found a bunch of papers that indicated a plot to steal ships and sail them to the Soviet Union, right? I mean, so I, I respect them so much for doing, like, <laughs> bullet journaling, just, like, doing some fun ideas, you know? <laughs> what, what if we pull this shit, you know? Yeah. So... You know, at the time, a lot of people thought, yeah, it must have been the communists. The communists did this, right? 
Um, which is, despite the fact that ramming the ship directly into Cape Hatteras <laughs> is the opposite of going to the Soviet Union. Uh, <laughs> taking the scenic route. Yeah. Plus, what is Cape Hatteras if not the Kola Peninsula of North Carolina? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> then there was a theory that uh, it was for it was rum running, right? Because prohibition was happening. So, you know, some, some rum runners stole the ship in the Bahamas to run rum into the United States and then abandoned it, right? What? S say rum runners 50 times real yeah. quick. Rum runners, runners. Rum runners. Yeah. Uh, they stole a scooter to do that? The yeah, they, slowest ship in the world? The, the biggest, slowest ship possible? Yeah, of course. That's what rum runners would do. No, that's yeah. probably not right. <laughs> also, weren't they moving all of the rum in, like, from Canada anyway? Yeah. Like, yeah. how much running do you need to be doing? Not a whole lot. You need to swim, but... <laughs> and then, uh, you know, another theory, of course, it might be communist rum runners. Oh, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Just a hold full of Havana Club. Yeah, exactly. Um, another theory was mutiny, right? Uh, you know, so maybe since Warmel didn't like his crew and the first mate was mad at him, maybe he fucked up and he got mutinied, right? And then the crew screwed up and, you know, just steered the ship directly into, you know, Cape Hatteras. <laughs> hey, we finally got rid of this guy. Donk. There's, awesome. Fantastic there's, work, guys. There's one piece of evidence from uh, this... Um, uh, for this theory, which is the light ship captain we mentioned earlier, reported that the man who yelled at him with the megaphone did not look very much like Captain Warmel. Oh, do you want to make a like positive identification across like a nighttime sea from a <laughs> light ship? <laughs> That's what the light is for. <laughs> <laughs> Did he have a, like a telescope? He was it like five minutes in. They're just yeah. like, all right, guys, we're all ready. And mutiny. <laughs> <laughs> Any percent speed run. <laughs> you just toss the captain off the ship, and he like swims back to Barbados because yeah, you haven't even really that. left yet. <laughs> An another another theory, of course, is that it was a mutiny, but it was a communist mutiny, right? What I'm learning here is that communists are a kind of cryptid, the most yeah. powerful cryptids. Yes. I believe a communist mutiny is called a revolution. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's successful. <laughs> otherwise, it's, otherwise it's called a commune. Yeah. I mean, I, Marx, Marx himself did say, you know, uh, a specter, a frightful hobgoblin is, ha is doing what? Haunting Europe. So he did, oh, he did say that. That's mm. right. And it's about to mutiny against the ship of state. Aha! Uh -huh, yeah, it was a metaphor. Yes, I like this one. I like. Yeah. I, I think it's. I think it's a, an attempted revolution. I choose something like that. Like mostly because that's what I want to have happened, but also I, I think, think like yeah yeah sure why not it's nineteen it's nineteen 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 twenty why what everybody was doing communism back then you know it was the hot new thing it was like the Lindy Hop so now another idea was that the paranormal was involved right aside from communism yes so you know the the ship of course had traveled through the Bermuda Triangle. 
Oh which, shit. Oh fuck. I guess had a delayed action <laughs> which caused it several days later on the Bermuda Triangle no 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 don't let that one get away get him get him yeah, the Bermuda Triangle with its gaming mouse like fucking lag CPI <laughs> alright next best thing we'll, we'll disappear the crew and ram it straight into Cape Hatteras <laughs> I like the cut of the Bermuda Triangle's jib you know big yeah. fan and of course, the specters in the Bermuda Triangle got to work OT. They're not. They're not this this is the <laughs> You have crunch to like finish this fucking ghost ship. <laughs> and of course, another theory is it's um it's the Bermuda Communist Triangle, right? Ah, yeah. It's a yeah, hammer the, and triangle. Yeah, the the communists did uh, caused paranormal things to happen. Um. So yeah, th those are the theories. Um, I mean, I was a big fan of like attempted revolution, but now that you've mooted communist Bermuda Triangle, <laughs> I mean, what else has the Bermuda Triangle sunk? Right, like mostly um, like American yep. naval. Yeah. How many? How many Soviet ships have gone yeah, down? Yeah, in the Bermuda yeah, Bermuda right, Triangle. Right. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, they, there was that one Soviet submarine that did sink in it, but they could have been revisionists. You know, um, who, you know who you know who sails through the Bermuda Triangle all the time and is fine. Mm. Cubans. Oh shit! You're yeah mm. yeah. Mm. Very interesting. Yeah. I think we've just discovered Fidel Castro's <laughs> last super weapon. Fidel Castro. That's the Bermuda Triangle actually protected him. <laughs> from, from CIA assassination attempts. <laughs> yeah, he, he had the power of like several dozen like Catalina search and rescue flying boats, like armoring him. <laughs> when he went to New York and they asked him if he was wearing a bulletproof vest and he was like, I have a moral vest, what he meant was, I have the Bermuda Triangle, which is communist. The triangle um, temporarily. All your shipping lanes. No one's gonna get shit in or out, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, hasta la victoria siempre. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, so no one knows what happened. Uh, today, you can see some fragments of the ship at the graveyard of the Atlantic Museum in Cape Hatteras. At the what museum? The Graveyard, the graveyard of, of the Atlantic Museum. That's the most metal name for a museum I've ever heard. And the museum's actually like built out of pieces of ships that wrecked yeah. on Cape Hatteras. <laughs> Very sweet. I've been there. Recommend God, it. that's so cool. So, the next boat. This is the famous one. The Mary Celeste. <laughs> Wait, that's probably a historical. They wouldn't have had a foghorn. Yeah, I don't think they had a foghorn. You just have a guy who yells, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Fog! <laughs> Fog! <laughs> so, the Mary Celeste was a brigantine, right? It's got two masts, right? Front mast, square rigged, rear mast, fore and aft rigged, right? You know, sometimes there's top sails on the, on the, the rear mast. But um, this one did not have that. Um, so it, was built it just has a big flag with writing on it, but I can't read what it says. Well, that's because like... they had even fewer pixels in the 1800s. <laughs> yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs> that says haunted. 
<laughs> oh, well, well, there's you your put mistake. That signal flag up if you see a ghost. <laughs> it's like the list of like semaphore signals is like diver, uh, quarantine, uh, ghosts, uh, communist ghosts. Does that say a specter of communism is haunted? How do they have that many flags? <laughs> It's got a mile-long so, boom with flags strung from it. <laughs> Mary Celeste was built in 1861 in Parsboro, Nova Scotia. First named Amazon, right? 99 oh, feet long, 25 feet 6 inches wide, and 198 gross tons, right? Mood. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on, on Me too, ma- buddy. On her maiden voyage, Captain Robert McClellan uh, fell ill after the ship took on a load of timber bound for oh. London. He had a load on his plate, what with having to coordinate the defense of Washington, D.C. also. Yeah. So, <laughs> the ship turned around, uh, and after they reached land, the captain died. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Classic move. That's yeah. leadership. Yeah, exactly. Well, we made it to land. Fuck this boat, everybody on <laughs> it. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just steps off the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Croaks. <laughs> <laughs> well, God, what if it was worse? What if he was like really happy? Like, I made it home. I'm gonna get well. I made it off this cursed. B- <laughs> <laughs> so Captain John Parker took over, um, and the ship turns around, heads back for London, and he promptly wrecks into a fishing boat near Eastport, Maine. <laughs> And then when he reached the English Channel, he crashed into a brig and Jesus sank Christ. it. <laughs> Hoist up the thing. <laughs> We're pirates, but entirely because our captain is too drunk to navigate. <laughs> I just like the idea of applying the same standards of driving that you get for like a crew cab truck to a sailing ship, and it's just like, yeah, I'll hit whoever I want. I'll just, they'll, give, they'll be worse off than me. <laughs> so, after this maiden voyage, several otherwise quiet years of service until October 1867, when she runs aground on Cape Breton Island, right? Um, hey, we've been there. And she was banged up big en- uh, enough that, you know, the company just abandoned her, right? Until... <laughs> Until it was, uh, she was salvaged by Richard W. Haynes, right? So Haynes and a group of New York finan- uh, financiers uh, salvage the ship. They restore it. They rename her Mary Celeste. Uh, he sails it himself for a year, and then his creditors repo it. Because he ran out of money. You just come down the dock and there's a boot around the mainmast. <laughs> so... His creditors sold it. She sailed for several more years. In 1872, she was refitted, uh, lengthened to 103 feet. Um, now it's up to 282 gross tons, right? Um, and the captain <laughs> was a man named Benjamin Schooner Briggs. That's seriously his fucking name. That's his name, yeah. Schooner was actually his middle name. Awesome. Yeah. Do you th- how much do you think this motherfucker dined out on that? Just be like, oh, do I know something about schooners? Well, I'd say they're almost like my middle name. He just waggles his eyebrows at you until you punch him unconscious. <laughs> well, well, his, his last name is also a type of boat. That's the other thing. He's got two oh, kinds fuck. of boats in his name. 
<laughs> Jesus. So nominative Briggs... determinism comes to comes to Breton Island. <laughs> so Briggs was an experienced captain, right? And he had about a third ownership of the ship, right? Uh the maiden voyage after the refit would bring uh, the Mary Celeste to Genoa with a load of denatured alcohol, right? Hmm. So she left New York City November 5th, 1872, after waiting a few days from scheduled departure for, a, uh, for the weather to clear up, right? Now, eight days later, another ship, the uh, De Grata. De Grata? I don't know how to pronounce De, it. Dei De Gratia, the grace of God. Yeah, That sounds about right. Uh, left from New York following a similar route with a load of petroleum, right? Once cool. they okay. got past the Azores on December 4th, 1872, a helmsman reported to Captain David Morehouse that there was a ship about six miles distant traveling erratically and generally going towards them, right? Uh, do you know how much you've been drinking tonight, sir? <laughs> That's what one third on this boat. I'm on the ocean. What about going hit? I'm on the boat. That's all taking stuff anyway. I need. That's what we do here. <laughs> they just gotta. If, if they're trying to pull you over at sea, they've got to get those warning lamps from the from the Carol Deering. They've got to hoist up like red and blue ones really fast, ultimately. <laughs> And up she down, and up and down, and up and down. <laughs> Sir, do you know why I pulled you over? Uh, you have supplies for me. That's how we get supplies on the boat, is we ram other boats and take them, but we're not pirates, we're just drunk. <laughs> That's not a crime, is it, Ossifer? About to say, uh, maritime law has nothing to say about this. That's nope. true, famously. <laughs> That sail has fringes. <laughs> <laughs> this is that, just go, just going into an admiralty court like this is a, this is an admiralty court and they're like yeah yeah yes it is <laughs> just yeah, an yes. actual admiral just, <laughs> just like yeah uh huh sure <laughs> glad you understand the Alice situation. <laughs> Like yes, you you guys know you're being court, but you guys know you're being arrested, right? <laughs> I do not recognize. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work here. So they drew close to the ship and saw it was the Mary Celeste, apparently with no one on board. Spoopy. Spoopy. <laughs> so the first and second mates went aboard, right, and they found. The ship was mildly disheveled, but otherwise fine, right? Another mood. Yeah, hell of a mood. No, <laughs> no one was aboard. Yeah, I'm fine, I just looked like shit. <laughs> That's why we do you a do, podcast. You just, you just get on board the ship and they're like, man, clearly this guy has not been taking care of himself for like a while. And yeah, just like pandemic on. What do you yeah, expect? Fuck you, we're going back into lockdown. Eat my ass. <laughs> But no one was aboard, and the lifeboat was missing. Uh, the sails were in bad shape, but they were still serviceable, right? And the last entry in the ship's log was November 25th, uh, nine days Ooh. earlier, right? And that listed the ship's coordinates as some 400 nautical miles from where De Gratia uh, encountered the Mary Celeste, right? Just drifting for... Yeah. Ah, fuck, how long does it take a... Uh, a brig to, to 
fucking drift 400 miles. I guess it depends but, on the wind. Huh? Apparently nine days. Huh. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, for I, I forgot <laughs> that you actually gave me the other half of this. Uh, if, if a train is traveling towards Chattanooga at 50 miles an hour. So, all the evidence pointed to some kind of deliberate evacuation of the ship, right? Uh, the mates returned and reported the condition of the ship, and Captain Morehouse decided, all right, let's try and salvage this thing. We're going we're to bring it all the way to port. So the crew split in half, and each ship made the remainder of the trip with half of a crew, right? They made it to Gibraltar on December 12th, where the Mary Celeste was impounded, and then salvage hearings began. Admiralty courts. Yes. So. The man in charge of this, uh, this is Gibraltar. You guys can stop yelling about your rights. We're trying to give you stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, the man in charge of this, the Attorney General of Gibraltar, which is a British possession. Um, oh boy, was named. This is going to be some absolutely like <laughs> fucked vibes <laughs> colonial administrator, like. Uh, like the kind of person who gets their career in law and then is so bad at it that London wants nothing to do with them and puts them in, I guess, Gibraltar yes. to go do boat laws. Um, so this, I, I know, without you even telling me, this guy is going to be uh, just uh, the worst kind of dumbass imaginable. <laughs> yes, and his name was Frederick Sully Flood. No, it wasn't. Yes, it no, was. was. That wasn't his name. <laughs> that was his name, Frederick Sully Flood. He was the Attorney General of Gibraltar, and he was a very stupid man. <laughs> Do we sink him in hell? <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, he immediately uh, suspects that this is foul play, right? Oh, Jesus. Clearly, the crew of the De Gratia had engaged in piracy, right? Sure. To steal... The value, the ship and its valuable cargo that's, of denatured alcohol. Right back, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. That's why they brought the ship back. A thing that you do when you're when you're doing piracy. The main thing to do is to bring the ship that you pirate back and be like, "Hey, what's the deal with the ship? We just found this. <laughs> yeah, we just found you this. Guys believe this? <laughs> <laughs> this this tactic never fails." Please ignore the skeletons dropping why out of the car. Control. All of the best pirates did this constantly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, you know, he, he tried to produce some evidence to support his theory, right? So, like, look, there was blood on the captain's sword. It turned out CSI to be rust. Gibraltar. He said, look, there are cuts on the bow of the ship, which turned out to be from manufacturing the ship. Um, he said, look, there's blood on a handrail, which turned out not to be blood. Um, this guy just really <laughs> turned this whole ship inside out looking for blood, and it inadvertently provided a lot of great evidence that there was not any blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, if they were pirates why, and they wanted to, like, bring the thing back, why wouldn't they clean off the blood? Yeah, exactly, right? You can just, really you can just scrub it off! <laughs> so, Flood concluded that either the crew of De Gratia had murdered the crew of Mary Celeste, or, and he's also willing to entertain this notion, the crew of the Mary Celeste had gotten drunk 
off of the denatured alcohol and then killed the captain <laughs> in a drunken frenzy and then fled. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just see this brigantine go past and it's just playing hard bass inexplicably. Yeah. And, Riley's and, just out there. And then, of course, they all fled in the lifeboat and then they immediately went blind from the methanol. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just classic slav shit, you know? Yeah. You just like, you crack open the cargo and you're just like, SUKA <laughs> BLET! Just as the ship's going up and down. So. There was uh, there was no evidence whatsoever for either of these theories, but uh, Frederick Solly Flood had significant Again, not had, had, a real name <laughs> had muddied the waters enough that now the the jury and the court you know sort of suspected the crew of De Gracia right, and so they awarded them. Uh, although they found them not guilty, they awarded them an absolute pittance of uh, salvage value, like 1,700 pounds of like the 80,000 pound cargo. Jesus, fuck that. After, after retrieving the ship through an extremely dangerous and understaffed voyage. <laughs> yeah, well, filled, well, filled with ghosts. Yeah. The ghosts are just like actually trying to help you. They're just totally fuck all useless. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, hey, Casper, you want to run that rigger? No, I, I can't. I don't have hands. <laughs> oh, motherfucker. Yeah, all I can do is like float around wistfully. I'm like, that's fuck all use on a sailing ship, man. <laughs> Grab a rope, jackass. <laughs> <laughs> can't even lift the spyglass to be a lookout. <laughs> so... There were several theories as to what actually happened. Um, of course, Sully Flood was big on the uh, the foul play idea. You know, it, one of the one of the big problems with this theory, of course, is that De Gracia was a much slower ship than the Mary Celeste, so a little difficult for him to catch up and do piracy, right? Not like, if they're ghost pirates. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, there, there was also one other theory, which is uh, advanced by. Arthur Conan Doyle, the author of Sherlock Holmes. And a guy who really liked his cocaine. A guy who really liked his cocaine, believed in fairies, and wrote a story called J. Habakkuk Jefferson's Statement, uh, in which a sort of, like, Antifa anti-white fanatic tries to hijack the ship to sail it to Africa. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, a guy named Septimus Goring, who, who had like developed such a hatred of the white race that he kills all of the ship's company, save for Jefferson. Um, this is also why people misspell the name of the ship. Like they spell it Marie, like I E, because Conan Doyle didn't care enough to get it right. It's Mary, but like people still think it's like the Marie Celeste because of J. Habakkuk Jefferson's statement. Yeah, so I, I I like that theory because you know uh, kill Whitey, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another theory is that the ship encountered a water spout, right? So they found a water spout's a tornado on the ocean, you know, sends a bunch of water up in the air, right? So they found a sounding rod on the deck, right, for measuring the amount of water in the hold, right? A what? A sounding rod. 
Oh, the, it, the, that's not the thing that I think it. Okay, yeah. fine. I know, Alice. Don't be gross. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I don't know what the other like. It, it's just a, a, a like a, a measuring stick. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if the ship encountered a water spout, the lower atmospheric pressure could it could cause it to appear then more water was in the hold than usual, right? Water would travel up from the bilges through the pumps, sort of into, into the hold. And when they found the ship, there was a little bit more water in the hold than usual, about three and a half feet of it, which is more than should be there, but not enough to, you know, be super alarming. Like, it's not going to cause the ship to sink, right? Hmm. So maybe the crew evacuated because they thought there was more water in the hold than there was. And, um... Then, uh, yeah, you they, know. See, they see it rising and they're like, oh, okay, shit, we're, the, we're in the communist Bermuda Triangle over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and they all got in the boat, they left the ship, the ship that didn't sink, but, you know, the ship's boat, of course, did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oops. Um, <laughs> another popular theory is it encountered a giant squid, which then ate the crew in the ship's boat. You know, that's, oh, that's okay. yeah, you know, Kraken, you know, very, very likely, of course, you know, there's, mm -hmm. there's so many Kraken encounters today. I mean, it's like real common. Um, I mean, I will say that our podcast will always be a friend to all sea monsters. That's um, true. And so like, if this happened, we are on the Kraken side. Uh, it, it was provoked. Uh, 21 foot rule. Uh, yeah, castle doctrine. Yep, yep. Castle doctrine. Underwater <laughs> castle doctrine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Listen, the the kraken are a protected species, and um, <laughs> that's right. You know, I I think it's worth it to have this hazard to maritime shipping to preserve <laughs> these beautiful creatures. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> another theory is involves alcohol vapor, right? So the captain and crew may have evacuated the ship after smelling some kind of like major leak of alcohol throughout the ship, right? And they evacuated because they thought, oh shit, this thing might blow up, right? So a recreation was uh, done in 2006 for uh, Channel 5 in the UK, right? Oh uh, boy. You know, for, for <laughs> what would happen if like there was a, a big like alcohol vapor explosion on the ship, like not even I'm just a leak, to... what if there was an explosion? I'm trying to explain how trashy Channel 5 is. Like, I, I don't know what the what the equivalent would be in the US. Is it like it's Spike like, TV? Yeah, kind of, but it's <laughs> on terrestrial TV. Like, it was the mm. last one, it was the last channel to, like, come onto, onto terrestrial TV before CW. people all got, like, Freeview and shit. Um, and it, like, it, oh god, it's really, like, low-rent stuff. So... <laughs> Definitely the CW. Yeah. No, that'll do it. So, so the CW did this like yeah. recreation. Well, surprisingly, it sort of indicated that if there was an alcohol vapor explosion, it would cause a very large and very violent fire that would burn out extremely rapidly, which might not actually significantly damage the ship in any way, just because of how quickly it burns. Right. You know, you ever cause like a... Uh, al alcohol fire by mistake. Yeah, you, know, you ever thing. deglaze a pan with vodka? Yeah, I did do that. <laughs> and I, it, it, it's a lot, a, lot of, a lot of fire very suddenly in my kitchen, but it also disappeared very quickly. You which burnt was, the microwave buttons. Yeah, yeah I, did, I did melt part of the microwave, yeah. 
that was that this is this is an experience you know that I, I learned more about cooking through it. Um, <laughs> well, there's your problem test kitchen. I'll yeah. spin off. <laughs> <laughs> the, the vodka sauce turned out really good, though. Hmm. Yes, it was And delicious. it did deglaze the pan very effectively. Oh, I bet. <laughs> you have a very deglazed ship here. Yeah. Yeah, so they deglazed the whole. They evacuated after the ship started deglazing itself. <laughs> so, the Mary Celeste continued shipping cargo for another decade, um, but you know it's kind of had a bad reputation at this point. They weren't. They yeah, weren't I wouldn't want to fucking work on it. Yeah. In February of 1879, her new captain fell ill while aboard, and after making an emergency stop in Saint Helena. That captain died as well. You know, okay, Jesus. so now it's killed three captains. <laughs> yeah, it's the ghosts in the timbers. Yeah. In November of 1884, carrying a bunch of worthless cargo, right, but insured as though it was carrying very valuable cargo, her new captain de deliberately wrecked her on a reef near Haiti, right? Then the captain tried to do insurance fraud and was immediately discovered. Just instantly. Because <laughs> he, sold, he sold the worthless cargo that he could salvage to the American consul. <laughs> Look, there's only f like four or five people to sell it to. And yeah, so exactly. sometimes, sometimes you gotta ask the cops if they want to buy some stolen goods. Hey, I'm gonna commit insurance fraud with this later. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> He wants to You're not VCRs. a cop, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Legally, he has to tell you if he's an American diplomat. <laughs> Does that apply under maritime law, though? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh god! I, I mean, one thing I will say though is clearly the ghosts involved here are communist ghosts because yes. this has a proletarian character because the the people that they kill disproportionately are the officers so this is this is like ghost revolution yes know? so captain parker uh was tried for baratry right that's like the deliberate wrecking of a ship and at the time that was a capital offense oh shit yeah oh, i think he made some kind of plea deal he got off, he walked he, free. He gave up his boss, the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh shit, we can't, we can't, uh, the, the court's just confused, like, how do we execute this? He's already dead, how do we execute him? I, what the hell kind of plea deal could he have possibly made? <laughs> Uh, despite this, his career was ruined, and he died a pauper about three months later. Oh, well. That's so. It took another oh. captain. <laughs> Did it kill that one too? Yeah, yeah it killed that one too. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> okay, the Mary Celeste rules. <laughs> yeah. Good boat. Good boat. Um. All right. On to the next one. Uh, us. Oh, that's my favorite one. This one's genuinely spooky to me. Uh, as as far as I'm concerned, this is this is now spooky season. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll wait for Justin to get back before I get into it. So Liam, how's how's your day going? Uh, so my buddy uh, lives in beautiful Mountville, 
uh, Pennsylvania, where hmm. currently there's a hostage situation unfolding. Oh boy. Um, wow. Um, I'm sorry they felt that they had to take hostages. Not, um, yeah, not, not my buddy. My buddy is not the one taking hostages. <laughs> the the guy apparently barricaded himself outside. He's been sending <laughs> me pictures and updates. There's a SWAT team. There's a sniper team. Uh, he called for a medical emergency and then took one of the medics hostage, which do not do that. <laughs> fucking hell, dude. Yeah. So I'm just kidding. And he's, it's not funny, but it's sort of. It's, you know what it reminds he, me of? He is, took a, um, there's something that reminds me of is the guy who tried to kidnap Princess Anne in the UK in, yeah. in, the, in the 70s. And I posted a screenshot of uh, a, a thing from a book I was reading about this. But like, in Britain in the 70s, if you had a gun, you could just do anything, like anything oh, you yeah. wanted. Because like, essentially what happened was a, a succession, I think it was like six or seven people, all of them unarmed, came up to him like, Oi, mate, drop the shooter, and then he just shoots them. Like, I don't think he even killed any of them. But like, one, one of them, a guy just stops his car behind and is like, Hey, stop shooting people, and he gets shot. Like... <laughs> yeah. So uh, like, what, what did you think was going to happen? Brilliant negotiation tactic. <laughs> yeah, but like you could just kind of keep going from there because like nobody could stop you until eventually you run out of bullets and get rugby tackled. So maybe that's what's going to happen with this guy. Yeah, I mean, I it's a bit terrifying. He's he's in the middle of moving, and there's just a hostage situation down the block, and there's an armored truck just parked in his neighbor's driveway. Hmm. Well, at least they're not like, hey, can we use your like front room to set up a sniper nest or whatever? Yeah, Third Amendment, folks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm back. What did I miss? Oh, we were uh, talking about hostage situations. Eric's neighbor uh, took a hostage. Oh, fun. Yeah. Liam was telling me that he was like he called an ambulance also for like for the hostages and then he took one of the EMTs <laughs> hostage as well. Oh my god. But, yeah. Just like, come on. <laughs> you okay. can't you can't just like work your way up like that until you've taken the whole fucking state hostage. <laughs> and you're like yeah, give me give, give me a plane arrest. <laughs> All the, the entire state of Pennsylvania gets. <laughs> I'm sending in more trains. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to like. He just needs to take more and more EMTs hostage until eventually the numbers are off enough that they can tackle him. <laughs> it's spoopy season. <laughs> Very spoopy. <laughs> yeah. All right, Liam, this is your job. Yeah, but it's also it. my favorite one, so I, I, I can, I can, like, blanks. Sure, this is MV right. Hoyita, uh, yeah. which is Spanish for little jewel. Uh, Again, not very many pixels. Roland West, who was a Hollywood director, is built in 1931. 70 foot long ship built from it's a yacht built from cedar and oak it's sold in 1936 and becomes sort of as far as i could tell basically pressed into service to the u.s navy which is so funny right like the u.s navy like we don't think of them as being desperate enough to be like hey well, let's can i get some hollywood producers like pedophile yacht please <laughs> yeah 
Oh but, yeah, they used it as a yard patrol boat uh, at Pearl Harbor. Oh, fantastic oh. job there, guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was after the attack. Uh, yeah. Damaged in 1943 and then released in 1946. Um, it sold a few times. Uh, and then in 1952 to a doctor, Catherine Lumala, who's at the uh, University of Hawaii. She leases it, or she, it's under the command of her friend, uh, a Dusty Miller. Yeah, British guy. Um, yeah. Who just like, a, a British guy who like went to live in Samoa and uh, to become a charter boat captain. Uh, very normal. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. So on October 3rd, 1955, she leaves Apia in what I've typed as Samau, <laughs> towards the Tokelau Islands to uh, collect copra, which is uh, dried coconut kernels. Uh, so it's a 270 mile journey, and she begins late because a clutch had failed. So she's leaving on one engine. There's okay. 16 and nine passengers, including a doctor. Who was to do an amputation and a Oh, that's some fucked South Pacific shit. It's like, hey, we gotta cut your leg off. The doctor will be along on the next boat in like four months. Try not yeah. to get too much gangrene. Yeah, try, not, try not to get too much gangrene, exactly. So she should have arrived in Tokelau on the fifth and didn't. Um, the I guess harbor warden sort of said, hey, this boat was supposed to be here, and it wasn't. Um, mean, meanwhile, this guy is just, like, entire legs rotting off. Yes. Don't worry about him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, they launch a search and rescue over 100,000 square miles. Again, uh, fuck that. Like, yeah. And pe people, like, get scared of the Atlantic. No, it's the Pacific for me. Like, the South Pacific, same with, um, with MH370, right? You're not finding shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Amelia Earhart, like all of the spookiest, all of the spookiest ocean stuff is South Pacific, and it's because there is so fucking much of it, and it's just like, no, no, thank you, no, no featureless blue expanse for me. No, thank you. The, uh, exactly. Indonesians never quite got control of their communist uh, uh, Bermuda Triangle equivalent. Yeah, according <laughs> uh, to the uh, Jakarta method. Um, this caused a, more of a danger for marine shipping everywhere, honestly. <laughs> Shout out to Vincent Blevins for yeah. the Jakarta method. It's very good. So on November 10th, uh, Gerald Douglas, who was captain of the merchant ship Tuvalu, uh, spiked, uh, spots Joyita uh, 600 miles west from her scheduled route, just sort of drifting along. Yeah, boy. Uh, She's partially submerged, she's listing heavily, she's missing four tons of cargo and everyone aboard. You can see the anglets out there, that's like a, what, 30 degree list? Yeah. yeah. So the radio is turned to 2182 kilohertz, which is the International Marine Distress Signal. Nope, nope, but creepy, creepy. At the, at the time, uh, and they probably wouldn't have known this, the, the, the radio was limited to two miles in range, uh, because there was a break in the cable between the radio and aerial. So that had uh, limited them to two miles in range. Oh, again, fuck. <laughs> that, that's like yeah. the people who like claim to have heard uh, like distress signals from Amelia Earhart, you know? Just no, fuck that. Radio horror. Absolutely not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when they get there, like I said, the cable had been painted over, so the crew had missed it. Uh, the dinghy and three life rafts are gone. The barnacle barnacle growth uh, showed she had been listening for quite some time. There had been damage to the superstructure, not enough to sink it though, obviously. 
an auxiliary pump had been rigged but not connected and the clocks wired into the ship's generator had stopped at 1025 1025 was switches for lights on oh and there's another uh, fun detail which is that yeah. because it was meant to carry refrigerated cargo the holds were all lined with cork yeah that's in the notes alice oh is it <laughs> where is yep. that where is that in the notes inquiry it would not have made sense to abandon the vessel since uh, her cargo hold was cork line and therefore she was basically unsinkable and she had empty fuel ex- excuse me i'm so i'm so right sorry i don't mean to skip ahead please continue uh, so a pipe had failed due to corrosion, uh, allowing water into the bilges. Uh, so that's the leak. And the first time the crew would have spotted it would have been when the water was past the engine room floorboards. So they wouldn't, so they wouldn't have known where it was coming from. Hmm. And they found a bunch of, wait, is this in the notes? The mattresses? Are the mattresses in the notes? The, the mattresses boarded up. The mattresses just piled on the other engine. Yeah. Again. Yeah. What? what hmm. Hmm, interesting. Uh, why why did you pile up mattresses on top of the engine? To stop ghosts getting out? Sounds about right, so, yeah. Um, anyway, so, so far, this is genuinely unsettling, right? Yes. Um, so, they, they basically tow it, and an inquiry starts. Uh, and they find what Alice had just said, that basically it would have been uh, more or less unsinkable um since the cargo hold was cork lined and she had empty fuel drums for buoyancy uh there's the life rafts are gone uh and there was nothing the inquiry really found uh the logbook sextant uh chronometer were missing the uh, firearms owned by the captain were missing and alice's favorite detail bloody bandages and a scalpel which had been used four lengths of bloody bandages i'd like what what was the guy trying to practice his amputation and like slipped well that's there's this theory so that's sort of what we have to go on (laughs) uh the inquiry actually doesn't really mention the uh the the bloody bandages or scalpel well that's weird considering that they're kind of like notable details so there are some theories basically the inquiry also finds captain miller sort of most responsible uh the license he had had to carry passengers had lapsed there wasn't a working radio there was only one engine working and there's a couple theories uh one of which is that miller was injured or had died but that doesn't account for the missing cargo. Why are they missing four tons of cargo? Which, like, yeah. also wasn't particularly valuable, right? Like, it was coconut shells but of all exactly. things. Uh, there's a theory that uh, Miller and his Chuck and his first mate, Chuck Simpson, American, hated each other and had fallen sort of off the boat. Again, we're not com- we're not talking about the four tons of missing cargo. And one of the friends of of Captain Miller said he would have never abandoned it himself, you know. So it's totally possible, I suppose, that he had been injured rather gravely, and that's the bloody bandages. But why wouldn't you just take more bandages? Yeah, why are they this, just there and yeah, bloody? Gonna be some fucking like deeply personal psychodrama going on that we don't like. We're never gonna know about that led exactly. to whatever happened. There's um, theories piracy uh the japanese had did it 
um, that the theory was that they had gone through Japanese sort of fishing boats, possibly whaling vessels, and the Japanese they had seen something the Japanese didn't want them to see. Yeah, but you wouldn't uh, kill a guy for like, no, let alone an entire ship for like whaling, because everybody knew that the Japanese were still whaling until yep. like basically yeah. now. Even the mutiny theory doesn't make sense because why are you still losing four tons of cargo? Hundred percent. It was not a yeah. very safe ship. Chuck Simpson, you know, knocks Miller out and takes command, and they abandon ship. But like that doesn't account for the missing cargo. Okay, what uh, about then, what about like uh, uh, ergot poisoning? Like they all got some fucked up <laughs> bread. Uh, they start seeing shit. They like take four tons of cargo, put it in the lifeboats for some reason because they're all fucking doped out of their mind on fungus, and yep. then the lifeboat sinks. I suppose that's a theory. Mass we have hysteria. to save the coconuts. Uh. <laughs> Swamp gas. Uh, uh, communist Bermuda Triangle on vacation. I don't know. Yeah. This is so fucking weird, man. I figured yeah, the communist Bermuda one. Triangle would go to a colder climate for you know a change of pace. It's like a busman's holiday. You go on vacation from work and you end up doing the same thing anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I hate working vacation. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the it's it's like novels where like a detective goes on vacation and then there's a murder, you know? It's like I just wanted to take the time I'm off, off the clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Up, there's All a right. murder, not my problem. Not my problem. I'm <laughs> off the clock. Alice, you have anything you want to add? Uh got uh, through that pretty quick. I think like could have been the Soviets again. Could have been trying to sail yep. it to fucking uh, Vladivostok, Apparently. and then, and yeah, then just, you know, deliver a critical load of coconuts. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, genuinely though, this is there's so many strange details here that I have no idea. Like the, the thing that the cargo, yeah, yeah. the thing that makes the most sense to me, right, is like there's some kind of fight or accident, and the captain gets injured. Like he's the one who knows that the thing won't sink, and like right. he, he's out of it. Tale. But then I, and then the rest of them get into the lifeboat with yeah. him and leave. But I don't know why you would take four tons of cargo. Exactly, which you presumably we wouldn't be able to even sail with to avoid yeah, the like, coconuts falling into Soviet hands, thereby <laughs> allowing the Soviets to set up a domestic coconut production, uh, which was a crucial <laughs> part of the five-year plan. <laughs> warm and balmy yeah. flat. You, you laugh now, but Soviet uh, like Soviet ecological policy means that like by 1986, East Germany is choked with invasive coconut plants. <laughs> balmy East Germany. There's palm trees. There's coconuts. There's <laughs> there's girls in grass skirts. <laughs> but like Bavarian grass skirts is the thing. You know? <laughs> You're gonna get some people mad at you for saying Bavaria is in East Germany. Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, you have like a, a Oktoberfest becomes a Luau. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got you got a Hawaiian later hosen. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> But like genuinely on this one, like the other two, I can kind of like piece something together. But like this one, I got no clue. It's spooky. Yeah, it's it's fucking spooky season. Maybe it was Operation Gladio. 
Maybe. Yeah, it could be. All the conspiracy theories at once in this one specific part of the South Pacific. In this one boat. (laughs) (laughs) Just every single one of the passengers has a dark secret, but like it's a different (laughs) one. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all I got for that one. All right. So those were the ghost ships, the boo barges, the yikes yachts. The ghastly galleons. Yes. All right, so we have a section on this podcast called Safety Third. (laughs) This is a fun one. This one came from an actual PE, professional engineer. Oh, wow. Okay, this is going to be good. I'm bracing myself. Move it on up. That's right. So this is my safety third story. Uh, No one ever got hurt because of this, but it stayed stuck in my mind because it was the first time I encountered the whole human lives are worth so many Xboxes mentality in real life. (laughs) We love to see a bit come back. (laughs) Way back in 2014, when I was still a new and naive engineer fresh out of college, I was working as a construction estimator on a large, heavy construction firm in New York City, right? My job was to look over the plans of various proposed projects, figure out how much concrete, steel, rebar, and other materials the job would require, figure out how long it would take a crew to put it all together, and get the price from there, right? A big part of this job was going on site visits to actually see the location where uh, we were supposed to work on and get a better sense of what we were up against, right? So one of the potential jobs I got tasked to look at was a project to do repairs on the Queens Midtown Tunnel. This was two years after Hurricane Sandy, during which the tunnel had completely flooded with seawater, and now it was in need of a whole slew of repairs to fix the damage from all that salt water, right? So a lot of the concrete had cracked, the steel holding the ceiling in place had rusted, most concerning of all was that the lights and electrical wiring had seriously corroded from the salt water. So, the, the time to go walk the job before we put a bid in comes, and I make my way to this little temporary office the MTA had set up near the Queen's side of the tunnel, along with people from other contractors who also planned to bid the job. They also take us through the main part of the tunnel to look, at, look over everything, and they actually close down one of the sides of the tunnel so we could walk around and get up close to the lights, emergency catwalk, all that good stuff, right? So, this is walking into the tunnel here. Mmm. Fun little, like, behind-the-scenes view. After this, it was time to look at the ventilation ducts. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Queen's Midtown Tunnel, what you'll see when you drive through are two square passages side-by-side, each with two lanes of roadway and separated by a fireproof wall and walkway with some doors spread throughout. So if there's a fire in one part of the tunnel, people can evacuate to the other side, right? What you can't see is that above and below you are massive ventilation passages that constantly blow in fresh air and suck out the exhaust so you don't die from carbon monoxide poisoning. Uh, are these the ones we talked commute. about? Yeah. Are these the ones you mentioned that will just kill you if you're in them and they will like activate the thing? I believe it was, yes. Huh. <laughs> cool. Don't want to be in there. However, Importantly, the firewall that divides the roadway section in half for, the sa- for safety does not extend into the ventilation passages. That's up here, right? Mm-hmm. So, 
we go and look at these ventilation passages and the work that needs to be done there, right? As we were walking around in the vents, the guy from the MTA leading us around mentions that currently the fan system is set to low idle, which is why there is only a slight breeze blowing through. However, if there was sort of any sort of accident on the roadway that tripped the fire sensors, the fans would switch onto emergency high in order to prevent the roadway section from filling with smoke. Now, the tunnel is ventilated by 46 fans, each 11 feet in diameter, and at full power, (laughs) they will push 3 million cubic feet of air through the tunnel at about 120 miles per hour. I love to I love to be in the the fucking um the wind tunnel. You know, I love to find out how aerodynamic I am. <laughs> That's a fan right here, one of the fans. So unsurprisingly, the first question asked after that was, what about the guys working in here? To which the MTA guys simply said, Oh, they'd probably die. Um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> our, our operational risk assessment allows for some worker casualties in case of a fire. The priority is always going to be getting smoke away from the roadway, right? <laughs> I mean, I can see the logic in that. Like, <laughs> just from a like trolley problem perspective, if you're actually using the roads, but... <laughs> Still, though, you don't yeah. want to be that guy, even making, like, New York Union rates. Mind you, the entire reason for this project was that the wiring in the tunnel was so corroded that the tunnel was one good short circuit away from being the next Mont Blanc tunnel fire, right? So, <laughs> okay. a fire in the tunnel wasn't exactly some one-in-a-million freak instance. The obvious solution to mitigate this risk would have been to temporarily temporarily close the tunnel to traffic while workers were in the vents. But the MTA was determined to do this project with as little disruption of service as possible, because heaven forbid someone have to use one of the other six East River vehicle crossings or one of the numerous subway lines. (laughs) Of course. But considering that it took one of the world's largest clusters of COVID-19 breaking out as a result of the subway system for the MTA to decide to suspend 24-hour service, I don't think that's accurate, by the way, Um, and to suspend service and have some time devoted solely to cleaning and maintenance, I I feel like I was probably expecting too much. Still, the fact that the MTA had apparently bothered, actually bothered to do the math and decided it was cheaper to risk barbecuing a couple laborers versus shutting the tunnel down for a few hours every night was pretty surprising. (laughs) Again, I can kind of see that in the sense of um, if you happen to be in there while there's a fire and there's like, I don't know, a couple of hundred people in the tunnel, kind of better to, you know, just have you get atomized, but, like, you can close the tunnel! Yeah, <laughs> like the dude says, you can put some cones down! Yeah, if you gotta send, if you gotta send uh, uh, a bunch of people in there to start fixing stuff in the ventilation shaft, you'd figure, alright, we're gonna, we're gonna close the tunnel so these guys don't get turned into, you know, a, a, a pasta sauce when the, uh, <laughs> when, when, when the fans turn on, but no, I guess, I guess cars are more important than human lives. That's which, right. Yeah. Awesome. That's so, that's so cool. <laughs> Mind you, construction overall is already a pretty dangerous trade, and the underground tunnel workers are truly a cut above uh, in terms of risk tolerance, right? A famous saying among the sand hogs, 
That's uh, L-I-U-N-A Local 147. Those are the urban miners in New York City is, you know, a man a mile because on average for every mile of tunnel constructed in New York City, a man was killed in the process, you know. A statement that still largely holds true is, you know, one worker was killed in 2011 on the East Side Access Project and recently completed Second Avenue Subway had numerous incidents and injuries that could have, for all intents and purposes, killed someone, not for pure luck. Here's, uh, here, here's, uh, here's some blasting that was not done correctly on the uh, Second Avenue <laughs> Subway. Um, <laughs> it's not supposed to do that. I not mean... supposed to do that. That was in 2012. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking about like a jihad guy joining uh the ilw like because like hey i can blow up a part of new york but like nobody can even yell at me for it <laughs> although yell at you you just can't get fired over no, that's yeah. true yeah <laughs> for the queen's midtown project at least my company ended up not being awarded the contract to perform the work and the contractor who did managed to complete the work without any major incidents and no recreation of the movie Daylight. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's safety third. <laughs> they should just shut the tunnel down. I just, just, just put some. But how, how, mu how much does like a line of cones cost? Well, since the um uh since since you know there's no firewall in the upper part, you gotta shut down both tubes. Okay, so that's four lines of cones if you're being safe about this. Oh yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta redirect traffic to elsewhere, yeah. But I mean, yeah, just just shut the tunnel down. Just, why just, not just shut just the tunnel do down? Just shut the yeah. tunnel. Shut, shut the, the tunnel, tunnel down. I so people shut don't get turned into a fine mist. Yeah. I mean, like, I, 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 I'm sympathetic to a certain extent because, like, there's always going to be some of this with any kind of transport stuff. Like, you, you know, railway workers end up having to like hop out of the way of trains because even with speed restrictions and stuff, like, yeah, you won't shut down a line just because you're having to do like trackside maintenance and stuff. So, I, I mean, I get it. It still sucks though. Apparently now they got like protected work areas that you know just travel around on railway railway wheels now. I I just saw huh. some of these a couple of days ago. I was like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. I don't wonder why they don't use that in the United States. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we have them here. Like the only the, like I I I'm only familiar with like trackside maintenance and stuff in the UK as there's one guy on the work crew who's like yeah. the manager of safety and like gets to define where the place of safety is. Yeah. And then if you hear a train coming, you run towards that guy and hope that like he doesn't get turned into chunky marinara. So yes. <laughs> this is Ah, engineering is it, it's a it's a good it's a good series of jobs that yes. anyone should do. Yep. Um. There. It's <laughs> uh, great. Great idea. Very safe. Um, yep. Very safety conscious all the time. <laughs> very, <laughs> very, very, just think. Of, just think of it this way, right? If you do die, uh, the possibility as an engineer that you will die in a way that like no one really anticipated happening and isn't going to happen to anyone else is actually quite high. Like plenty of people die of heart disease. How many people die getting torn apart by ventilation fans? Come um, back as a ghost in high vis. 
So I mean that's that's my call to action for the professional engineer. That's why you should be an engineer if you if you feel minded to be, is that like, yes, you may die, but the chances that you'll die in an extremely metal and unforeseen way. Chances are pretty good. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good. Hmm. Can't wait to take a nap. Our <laughs> next episode is on the Tacoma Narrows Bridge disaster. Yeah. Just give you all three of the spooky drops there for that one. Yes. The spooky Tacoma Narrows Bridge disaster. Yes. Anyone have any commercials before we go? Um. Do not believe local news when they are like people are handing out drugs as candy on Halloween. Yeah. Uh, to drug your children, they are not. They are not. No, no one, no one is handing out their their medicated skittles to your children. Too valuable. That's that's my PSA. Yeah. Nobody, nobody is drugging your children. Nobody is like putting razor blades in apples or shit because like the parents trying to kill their yes, own kids. Yes, yeah. that's literally the only the only cases of that happening are parents who have heard those PSAs and gone, "Huh, I'm gonna kill my kid." That seems like a pretty good idea. Yeah, <laughs> and then they get caught instantly. Uh, likewise, don't do insurance fraud by running your ship aground. Yeah, we'll uh, do that. Because you'll get tried for barratry, mm -hmm. um, which is a capital offense. Yeah, uh, it's also what they what they charge because uh, you cut. Time was you couldn't charge an officer with mutiny. So if a junior officers mutinied, they would have to be charged with barratry instead. I'm not sure if that's still true, but uh, certainly used to be. Hmm. We'll have to ask the uh, sovereign citizens what they think, since they know everything about Admiralty <laughs> Law. That's right. <laughs> um, hopefully Franklin 12 is that soon. Uh, hmm. Everything's recorded. Um, I got most of the footage done. Uh, it's bonus actually going to happen. Holy shit. Soonish. Yeah. Congratulations on Franklin. Yep. The next bonus episode is going to be about the Philadelphia 76ers. Yes. Uh, I, ha I have a drop for that. Uh, which I used on the episode, and so I guess to play us out. Yep. If I can get it. Is this the dagger? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um. Bye, everybody. Yeah. Spooky <laughs> goodbye to everyone. <laughs> Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Boo.